0: Welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriella Bach, and on today's episode, we are going to be looking at human-centric digital commerce, which may sound like an oxymoron, but for everyone working in retail right now, they know it is anything but. But you don't have to take my word for it. Joining the show today are two experts in the subject of human-centric commerce, Tal Rotman, he is the Vice President of Partnerships and Alliances at Namogo, and Kunal Puri, Vice President and Head of Customer Success at Infosys Equinox. So Kunal, Tal, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having
2: us, Gabriela.
0: Absolutely. And it's great to have you here. So let's go ahead and just dive right into the customer journey which you know has become increasingly complex, as I'm sure we have all experienced by now. It's crossing over into digital, and that line between digital and physical has become increasingly blurred. So Kunal, I would love to kick things off by really just getting your take on this. You know, what, what challenges do you think this poses for retailers today?
2: Thanks, Gabriella. I think to say that consumer journeys are becoming increasingly complex. Is putting Mm -hmm. it in mind. Consumers today have the ability to engage with brands and retailers whenever and wherever they want and obviously brands and retailers are actively encouraging and enabling these new models of engagement. To give you a few examples, a leading jewelry chain has enabled a virtual try-on and a virtual product configuration capability that enables consumers to try on jewelry, configure it the way they want from the benefits from their own home without ever having to step into a store. Mm. A leading food and beverage company is talking about smart device-based commerce or IoT-based commerce where the refrigerator can inform the consumer that you're out of milk or you're out of soda or you're out of cheese and thereby initiate an engagement from a reorder perspective. We are working with some of the largest MLM companies in the world to enable conversational commerce, which is where brands engage with their members over WhatsApp, over WeChat, over Apple iMessage. So basically making it easy for the consumer whenever and however they want to engage with the brands Mm -hmm. is something that brands and retailers are actively focused on. Now what this means is that the brands and retailers now not only need to be present in these new channels, but they also need to understand the consumer context from previous conversations or previous points of engagement. Mm -hmm. And an additional aspect of this expansion of these new channels Is that it's generating massive amounts of consumer data and it is becoming increasingly important for the retailers and brands that not only do they drive these new channels of engagement and enable the personalization around that but also take all the data that's available through these new points of interaction these new touch points if i call them that and leverage this data trove to drive a more rich hyper personalized experience that carries the context across these different points. And we as Infosys Equinox have helped a number of retailers and brands to enable all of these examples that we've spoken about, as well as many more to drive what we call the human-centric experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Tal, I wanted to get your take on this as well. So are you you seeing similar observations? And I wanted to know if there are any purchasing patterns that you're noticing as customers are moving through the online journey. What's your take on this?
1: So Gabriella, yeah, I mean um, at Namogu, our focus really is the online journey. It's a good point, right? And we've got a great collaboration with Infosys, where we help to supplement some of those capabilities around what's going on on the customer's journey as they're going through their shopping, you know, experience as designed by the retailer. And you know, we're seeing lots of interesting things, and we're we're not collecting any personal data, but we're seeing a lot of things about shopper behavior that actually stand out, right? Things like Shoppers actually taking a pause and and looking elsewhere you know we know that what they're doing is they're doing some price comparison right um, mm-hmm. and you know if if the macroeconomic trends are indicating it you know um, to all of us we know that on the personal level we're all a little bit more careful about what we're purchasing cost of living is impacting most of our of our consumers and in-store shopping is becoming the, the norm as well, um, and so there's a lot of competition for the shopper in many, like Kunal said, in many different channels, in-store, mm-hmm. online, and people who are online are expecting to, you know, get that the best experience possible. And so, there's a lot of competition out there. We're seeing a lot of the visitors actually experiencing some form of abandonment or looking elsewhere for different reasons. And this data is also giving us a lot of information about how we can remove that those sorts of frictions from mm-hmm. the shopping experience. And we're seeing some some really great. Um, uh, Uses of this data in order to make the shopper's experience a really good, holistic, and positive experience.
0: And can you share some specific examples of of how retailers can take this data that they're collecting, analyze it, and create these human-centric experiences for consumers that we're kind of talking about today? So what are some examples of that?
1: So, you know, where we're focusing on is we're, we're trying to um, look at uh, the experience of a visitor without actually having to intrude on their privacy, right? I mean, traditionally, we're segmenting our visitors and our shoppers by looking at, you know, what sort of audience they fit into, what gender um, or age um, and mm-hmm. you know, where they fit socioeconomically. That's not our approach We feel that this isn't appropriate for this day and age, and it's not what our our visitors and shoppers are looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, We feel that there are better ways to create audiences and segment and provide a a positive experience based on what they're doing on the site navigationally, what their device is telling us about how it's interacting with the site. So some examples are, are quite simple, actually, when you think about things like, you know, their network speed or their device strength. Tell us a lot, right? We can say that you know this visitor is having some Wi-Fi issues. I know that you know I always have them um, and if, if I'm on the train you know going into the city, I, I want to have a lighter experience. I don't want to have a very heavy, difficult uh, shopping experience. So we can make that that personalized experience to that visitor while they're going through a little bit of a, a Wi-Fi challenge or a wireless internet challenge, they're going to appreciate that, right? And they don't even have to feel it without actually having to intrude on their their personal information. We were able to provide them a positive experience. That's just one example, right? Are they interacting with the sorts of utilities like shopping extensions in order to do price comparison? This tells us a lot, right? We don't Mm -hmm. need to know who they are to understand that they've got price sensitivity. And so we can actually serve that particular need. Right. And say, okay, let's let's try to find based on that intention, the right products for this person, serve them the right products or perhaps even offer discounts um, that might be applied, you know, on the journey and in the Mm -hmm. the, um, shopping experience versus something external. Right. So there's a lot of um, data that we can leverage about that visitor and what they're doing. In a very positive way, without having to intrude on their privacy, it gives a lot of indication around the intent of the visitor,
0: mm-hmm. and you
1: can actually give them what they're looking for at the right time in the journey.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, you know, especially with device strength and being able to provide. As you said, that lighter experience for people who are, you know, located out in rural areas of the country or even, um, you know, people who are located in cities and they're just commuting on passenger trains where the Internet goes in and out and, um, you know. A lot of us are making purchases, doing our online shopping or our grocery shopping um, during those moments to and from work. So, you know, that actually isn't something I've heard before. So really fascinating and just uh, kind of speaks to, you know, all of these different ways, um, you know, retailers can really innovate in Uh, meeting consumers. It's a slogan we've all used, but, you know, meeting consumers uh, wherever they are, however they are. And um, it can be as something as simple as, you know, needing to kind of tweak um, how they access your site based on how strong their internet is at any given time, which I think isn't something uh, a lot of us are thinking about right now. So, yeah, that's, that's super cool.
1: You know, Namogu provides a wide variety of these different um you know data points that we that we're actually only touching the surface of in providing a better experience without having to you know know uh what socioeconomic status they have, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to know where they live in order to provide them a good experience.
0: Yeah, that's that's really incredible. Um and Kunal, you know, what are what are your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, so I think I echo
2: everything that Dal said. Um Find it to be very, very real life contexts, and uh, in addition to that, one of the other big things that we're seeing is this whole what I would call as the digital divide, right? Mm-hmm. When the same consumer is engaging with a retailer or a brand, both online as well as in-store, the retailers and the brands need to focus on enabling what I would call as a unified omni-channel experience. Mm-hmm. And this spans across the new channels of engagement as well, whether they're conversational commerce, social commerce, live commerce, IoT or device based commerce, voice commerce, I mean, the list goes on, the metaverse is just the latest addition to this list. Uh, But it's important for these brands to be able to recognize and to be able to deliver the experiences the consumers expect across wherever the consumer is, whether in store or online and to give you a few examples of what we're seeing happen out there right? so one of the largest sports uh, brands out there sports uh, products brands out there is leveraging some of our is leveraging the equinox microservices suite to enable an endless aisle in the store now they typically have smaller footprint stores in europe where you may not have the entire assortment available in the store but to ensure that they save the sale and deliver a delightful consumer experience they are looking to enable tablet-based endless aisle capabilities within the store Mm -hmm. where either the associate or the consumer can look up the inventory nearby store. They can place an order for delivery at home or delivery to the store. But again, this is only one example, right? Another example is with the leading denim manufacturer who during times of COVID uh, wanted to enable a true contactless store experience where a consumer could walk into the store, pick up a pair of jeans, try it on or any other apparel. If they love the fit, just scan the barcode on that piece of apparel. Mm -hmm. Pay for it using the app and just walk out of the store without having to ever talk to an associate or go to a POS station, right? A third leading sports retailer is talking about actively enabling. uh, Firstly, they're talking about limiting the number of partner stores that they work with, but at the same point of time, delivering a richer experience for the consumers in those partner stores. Now, this would be things like when I'm purchasing products of this brand at a retailer partner. I should not only get my retailer loyalty points, but also the brand loyalty points within the same transaction rather than the traditional model of having to step out of the store, scan the receipt, upload it, mm-hmm. and then get my points a few weeks later, sure. right? So these are all experiences of what's happening in the store, may not necessarily be owned by the brand or the retailer, but these are places where brands and retailers are actively collaborating to enable more omnichannel unified experiences from a consumer perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would actually say that it spans even beyond this, right? So some of the other experiences I'll talk about from a B2B perspective are where a leading lubricants brand, right? Oil and gas lubricants brand, vehicle lubricants brand is engaging garage owners and mechanics, right? To say that I want, they are probably, these garage owners and mechanics are probably the final point of advice that the consumer listens to far beyond my advertising and if I can convince them to recommend my brand, there is an immediate win for both of us out there because I'm able to give them loyalty points. I can give them more training. I can engage them in a far more richer way and obviously sell more product. So the broad answer here is that these new channels of engagement are creating much more touch points. And it's important for brands and retailers to be able to enable meaningful interactions at all of these points.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: This is an example of where you know the Infosys, Equinox, Microservices, Commerce Suite, as well as the Namago capabilities Together, provide a very compelling proposition to enable this end-to-end kind of capability for retailers and brands.
0: Yeah, all excellent points, and you know, you, you touched upon contactless a bit, and so I want to kind of back it up there. And you know, now that the pandemic has subsided a, a bit, <laughs> are we still seeing customers uh, choosing this option now?
2: So Gabrielle, I think, uh, you know, we're seeing a little bit of ebb and flow around this. Uh, Clearly, while, you know, we all hope that we are past the pandemic and can continue back to what was our normal lives, even though we Mm -hmm. believe they've all changed. uh, There is obviously pockets of where the pandemic continues to flare up. And there continue to be individuals who want to retain the social distancing approach that they acquired in a bigger way during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. As a brand or a retailer, it's important for us to be able to respect that, right? I mean, most of us are on our airplanes very often now. And um, while there's no federal mandate any longer to wear a mask, I think every airline that I've been on in the last month and a half is clearly said that, you know, we respect your right. If you do want to continue to wear a mask, please continue to do that. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the same thing happen in the retailer space. While clearly e-commerce jumped in a big way, During the pandemic, uh, there was some data that was published that said it was going back to the more normal rate of growth. But then that's now been corrected to say that it continues to be at an enhanced level. And some of us have developed habits of maybe ordering grocery online, which we never had earlier. And uh, widely see the convenience that this brings and expect it to continue. So it may be whether I walk into a store and expect a contactless experience or I'm expecting a shopper to shop on my behalf. Or I'm gravitating more towards buying something online, which traditionally, I mean, the jewelry example I took earlier, uh, I couldn't imagine a situation where, you know, you could maybe pick a ring or a necklace or earrings without walking into a store. But having built this experience now, it's it's seamless. So we're seeing that, you know, the final answer is going to be somewhere in the middle. Will it continue to be as heightened as it has been? Maybe not. But is it going back to where it was pre-COVID, pre-pandemic? I definitely don't expect it to go back to that level.
0: Hello Rethink Retail listeners, get ready to mark your calendars because Future Stores is officially back in person in the beautiful city of Seattle, Washington. Returning to the Grand Sheraton Seattle from July 13th through 15th, Future Stores is the leading conference for senior retail executives in operations, design, digital, and technology. At Future Stores Seattle, you'll learn how leading retailers are integrating a hybrid approach into their in-store experience by balancing high-tech with high-touch. You'll walk away with actionable strategies for using store technology effectively, as well as educating your frontline associates and creating the next generation of store experience. Rethink Retail will be providing live coverage at the event and interviewing retail leaders at our media booth. I'll also be there moderating a live panel on how retailers can become the hybrid retail destination for today's connected consumer. Be sure to check out the link in the description of this podcast to learn more about the event and how you can sign up. We hope to see you there. Fascinating. And, you know, kind of just following up on that really quick, you know, contactless and human centric don't really sound like they fit together. So how can uh, retailers kind of strike that right balance between, you know, creating a a human centric contactless experience?
2: Yeah, I think you know, definitely those two words don't go well together traditionally. But uh, from a retailer or a brand's perspective, it's about offering a bouquet of offerings, right? So Mm -hmm. somebody may pick the rose, somebody may pick the sunflower. Uh, But as a brand or retailer, I want to engage all my consumers, somebody Mm -hmm. wants a high touch engagement, you know, with a personalized shopping experience where an associate is tagged with me and is showing me the new range. Whereas somebody says, I'm just here to browse and, you know what, leave me alone for a bit. And whenever I have a question, I'll find you and I'll ask you a question. But as a retailer or a brand, I need to be able to support both models. And that's the flexibility that, you know, our combined offering is bringing, where we capture the data, giving the retailer the ability to drive that segmentation and then deliver the experience
0: that the consumer is looking for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know, speaking on experience, uh, I wanted to touch upon, we've been talking about digital and, you know, blending brick and mortar and uh, e-commerce and with that as well, bringing digital experiences within the store, but then also these experiences, you know, online, augmented reality, immersive experiences, which we're seeing occur both online, but then immersive experiences within the store. So. It's great for capturing attention, right? I mean, it looks great on social media, it creates a buzz. But are we seeing, you know, beyond just interacting with the brand, are we seeing these experiences, you know, lead to true conversion?
2: I think, Gabriella, one big, uh, I'll probably call it an insight, or the biggest challenge that's facing retailers out of everything that's happening now, whether it is pandemic related or even you know, this explosion of new channels of engagement is the massive trove of consumer journey data, consumer behavior data that's now becoming available. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I take an example of a consumer brand, right, I mean, across any, let's say, food and beverage industry, or any other consumer industry, they've all taken a massive leap into what's been called direct to consumer or DTC. Mm-hmm. And uh, while there is definitely a revenue aspect of it, the largest driver for this jump into DTC for a brand, has been around capturing first-party consumer data. Sure. they want to learn more about consumer insights, they want to understand what bundle packages work. They want to understand when does the consumer shop? Do they buy a larger pack? Is the discounting model what's most effective for them? Because while they continue to sell in a big way on marketplaces and with other retailers, they recognize that the amount of first-party data they're able to capture in those scenarios is not does not give them the kind of insights that a direct-to-consumer capability gives them. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, most retailers and brands, or most brands in this case, are not only taking the direct-to-consumer data that they're capturing, but they're combining it with second-party data that they're getting from retailers and marketplaces, which is more at an aggregate level, as well as data they're getting from third-party sources, whether it's social, whether it's others. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And they've got this massive data trove now, which is extremely rich, but requires some focused effort in terms of processing it, in terms of storing it, in terms of building algorithms around it, in terms of analyzing it and coming up with those insights. Sure. Right? So that's the first part of it which i could probably call as a technology challenge to bring this data in and manage it and you know combine it and massage it and make it insight ready but then the second bigger part of it is how do i realize value out of all this investment i'm making into it right so Mm -hmm. how do i drive a consumer personalization strategy out of this how do i drive more effective campaigns out of this how do i drive better promotions out of this how do i create better recommendations for consumers that will lead to better upsell and cross sell for me out of all this data that i'm capturing Mm -hmm. So to give you an example of everything that I'm talking about, um, one of the largest food and beverage brands in the world supporting, you know, they have over 250 brands and they use the Infosys Equinox platform as their digital hub. What this means is Infosys Equinox supports their brand engagement sites. It supports their campaigns. It supports their B2B. It supports the related to consumer initiatives. It's all pretty much driven out of the Equinox platform. Mm -hmm. And not only that, it's also powering some new engagement models where they've built a recipe site that has over 150,000 recipes, over 18 million members who actively access that site. And we've kind of extended that capability to say that, you know, you can not only look up recipes, you can also with one click add them to a retailer partners cart. So we're even getting data from the retailer partner in this case, Ah. bringing all this data together is the capability of what the front end experience is enabling and then on the back end of this retailer or this brand in this case has initiated a consumer personalization program to bring Mm -hmm. all this data together to drive more active recommendations, better campaigns out of it, you know, to give you an example, if I am a consumer on this site, and while they have multiple brands, one of the brands is a meat brand, and uh, if they were able to identify I'm a vegetarian, they save all the campaign dollars that would have been spent on advertising one of the meat brands to me, Mm -hmm. right? So there's clear direct cost savings and benefits out of this. But there are also other benefits that the brand is seeing. To give you an example, they're seeing about a 10% lift in the number of emails that are open and the number of promotion coupons that are being downloaded from the ones that they are sending out. So this is multiple, this is one big CPG company, which has multiple okay. brands within them, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the most recognized brands in the world. Mm-hmm. And then within those brands they, we work with, when somebody's selecting items from a recipe site, the recipe may have four items from four different brands, mm-hmm. as well as some onions and tomatoes, which are not brand specific. Sure. But we're able to transfer that entire recipe to a retailer cart.
0: Uh, okay, and so do retailers have to partner in order to transfer yeah. those items into into their carts?
2: Yes. Yeah, so there is a partnership that, you know, in a way that exists between the platform, the CPG company and the retailer to uh-huh. transfer the card to transfer that the ingredients of the recipe over to the retailer card. But in return, the retailer or the CPG company or the brand in this case is also getting much richer data about did somebody actually convert?
0: Mm-hmm. Did they
2: actually go ahead and buy that recipe? Right. Right. Another extension area, again, with the same organization is can we enable the recipe site to be accessed not only over the website and the app, but can we voice enable it so it can be accessed over Alexa and Siri, Mm -hmm. right? So the ideas here are, there's massive opportunity in terms of driving better engagement, but it's also incumbent to take the data that you're capturing through this engagement and use it to drive better experiences for the consumer as well as better revenue realization for the brand and the retailer as well.
0: Excellent. that's that's uh, very cool. And, um, uh, can you kind of just expand just a little bit on you mentioned voice? And you know we've been hearing discussion around voice for quite some time, and um you know how it could be leveraged within retail and shopping, but we haven't really seen as much as I think we we expected to see voice be enabled. So how are uh, customers able to uh, use voice within that experience? Um, are they able to kind of just list off ingredients they need or can they, uh, you know, recipes to be read back to that? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's an evolving space for sure, but uh, three or four different examples that I can quote, right? One is uh, like we just said about, looking up a recipe while I'm cooking, right? That's clearly Mm -hmm. a massive use case that that we all see the value of something like that. Uh, Do I expect somebody to create a full grocery list using voice? Maybe not, because there's a variety of different options and replacement items and things of that nature. But uh, we are starting to see people create their shopping list or, you know, saying Siri, add orange juice to my monthly shopping list Mm -hmm. or weekly shopping list, right? Or While I've just used up the last block of cheese, Siri, add cheese to my shopping list, right? So Mm -hmm. those are the ability to add something to an existing shopping list is something that voice is being actively used for. Mm -hmm. The other big use case we're seeing is, you know, I I briefly quoted an example with garages and mechanics earlier. Uh, Think about somebody who's working in a workshop or on a shop floor and uh, can place a voice-activated command or a voice-activated order to add something to a cart, right? So... These are again examples of somebody's fixing a car, somebody's working on on any machine, and you know there's capabilities around that that voice can help enable. Mm-hmm. Another example would be, um, while I don't expect the ability, and if I take a simple example of searching for a white shirt on an apparel marketplace or a retailer site, um, I don't expect to complete the entire transaction online using voice, but uh, I could very well start the process by saying, you know hey, retailer.com, can you find me a white shirt? Mm -hmm. And uh, it will help me narrow my search options, allow me to do a lot more stuff while I'm on the go, and uh, carry that conversation forward. So start it over voice, complete it over web, or complete it over the app, or complete it over WhatsApp are all going to be the models of the future. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see active adoption of some of these in at least in small bits and pieces. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I know, especially uh, in China, uh, WhatsApp is being leveraged just, more and more every day um we're seeing with brands and like big name brands uh, uh cpgs like i believe revlon and and l'oréal um so fascinating stuff i do want to move on to our next question and this is kind of uh leading from kunal we were talking about the eruption of d2c and digital commerce and you know that has created just more choices than ever before, and so Tal, this question is for you. How do you see this impacting retailers, and and also, you know, how is it impacting the consumer?
1: So I think that uh, just to you know reflect back on what Kunal was saying earlier, that you know I think we can all expect that we're not going back to you know pre pandemic behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know all of the experiences now uh, around you know a contactless and human centric experience have indicated to us that the consumer has evolved right mm-hmm. um they're they're not thinking like they did you know 2 3 years ago and when they're online today you know they're all online we're we're not talking about you know any particular group or you know people who are more digitally native everybody is shopping online to to the point made earlier right everybody has done their grocery shopping online that's that's, you know, a, a norm at this stage. And so now what's going on is we're seeing people being a little bit more savvy, right? Um, mm-hmm. They're aware of the massive amounts of competition, right? If we've seen the the rise of the Shopify store, right, ex, um, completely invert some of the, the experiences that some of the retailers are having mm-hmm. in terms of the competition and where they usually expected their competition to come from. Today, they know that it can come from many different angles, right? And so they know that their competition is out there to disrupt their their buyer's journey. And there's many different ways to disrupt that journey. What we are seeing now is that uh, the visitors themselves are actually looking to optimize their shopping experience. Many people, you know, just like when we used to go to the store, right? And we would say, we want to make sure we get the best deal. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that's what they want to do online, or maybe it's that they want to make sure that they got the best in class. Right, it's not always about make making sure that they got the best price, but they want to know that they optimized that experience at that given moment. Every one of us wants that, and so mm-hmm. any little distraction, anything that can cause people to go down that rabbit hole, right? We uh, we are all subject to having, you know, the, the squirrel effect, right. Being chasing the, the squirrel around. So we're seeing things happening on the journey more and more, um, technologies that are interrupting the visitor's journey. Um, whether it's something that's legitimate, like an intentional, shopping extension to compare prices or see what the price is on, you know, on some of the larger retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, or something that's a little bit more illegitimate, which is actually hijacking the session, interrupting the session and trying to divert the traffic to other sites. Right. And so, you know, what we are seeing at Namogu is that some of the shopping st- extensions, including, you know, the ones like Amazon Assistant are actually driving traffic away from retailers and they're really you know, suffering from that. Whereas others can actually be leveraged for a positive experience. If you really engage with the data that um, some of those shopping extensions we can analyze at Nomoga, we can actually analyze the the impact, the experience and the interactivity with the shopping extension, Mm -hmm. we can actually leverage that data to create a positive experience, to ensure that the visitor gets the right promotion in the journey, right? To ensure that they get the right messaging at the right time in the journey mm-hmm. uh, versus having it, you know, interrupt what your designed experience was. So if you can actually use that data point and use that knowledge to actually improve the experience where they're with this interruption, then you're actually, you are actually, you know, really um, going to make that customer's experience a lot better. Whereas those more illegitimate ones, you know, in mm-hmm. some cases, you just want to block them. You want to block those illegitimate interruptions that are hijacking away your traffic, mm-hmm. um, and you know we we've seen that. For example, at our our uh, great customer Eddie Bauer, um, we actually um, were deployed at Eddie Bauer. We saw that they were actually experiencing twenty two percent of their sessions with some form of hijacking happening in that session. Oh wow! Percent of their visitors were actually having some sort of advertisement. Placed in the session often for a competitor, um, and it was diverting the traffic away. Um, so wow. in that case, you know, if it's diverting traffic away, that's that's a no no. You don't want that to happen. And so we, you know, we blocked those for Eddie Bauer, um, and by doing so, we kept the, the visitors on the site. They weren't distracted. They they kept on going down their their journey, and we actually saw by by running um, you know a data based test, an A B test, mm-hmm. an increase of 3.82% uh, a nearly 4% increase in conversion just by preventing those those you know illegitimate distractions mm-hmm. uh, from from appearing in the visitor's journey it just uh, you know it boggles the mind that you know people aren't even aware that this is this is happening um or that it's happening to this extent and really the the visitors you know, they don't know what's going on. All they know is that they're easily distracted. They chase that squirrel. Um, <laughs> now the retailers lost, uh, you know, lost the um, the connection with that particular uh, journey.
0: Wow, that is fascinating. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, I wasn't really aware that this was uh, as much of an issue as it is. So really incredible stuff. And I know so we're talking about, How retailers can leverage data to capture the attention of consumers, since we were were just speaking about the paradox of choice and how consumers are easily distractible um, or might even get fatigued from there being just so many choices and speaking on the overwhelming amount of choices. But there's also an overwhelming amount of data available and so we know that ca- retailers are capturing just so much data, but you know, do you have any suggestions for ways that they can begin to really analyze that data and organize it? What are your thoughts there?
1: You know, from the side of Namoga, we're we're very focused on ensuring that the visitor and the and the retailer actually has you know is not. Um, exposed to any personal data issues right any Mm -hmm. personal data um is you know obviously both very topical but also from a regulatory perspective is is very uh it's very important and becoming even more of both a risk and also a requirement of their visitors right um everyone's becoming a lot more savvy about their personal data and so Mm -hmm. while you to your point right there is a lot of data. A lot of that is data that should not be accessed or mm-hmm. at the very least should be treated appropriately. Right. And so, uh, whether we look at for, you know, the, the deprecation of the cookie, right, or changes mm-hmm. in iOS, those, that third-party data that a lot of retailers used to rely on, that's going to go, that's going away. That's not data that uh, can be relied on anymore. And so there's other places you can look for for data in order to run tests and run and understand behaviors without having to rely on those those data points. The first party data is is incredibly important and it's becoming harder to collect. The other thing is your vendors who are actually looking at that data, right? You don't have full control over all those vendors today in a in a very SaaS-oriented world right? A lot of those vendors, you know, could accidentally put you in some form of exposure as a retailer, Mm -hmm. right? Um, They could make a change without your aware, being aware, or there might be, you know, just some some sub-segment of the traffic that's actually experiencing this this type of exposure, and because there is so much data, you aren't aware of it. There's only so Mm -hmm. much, you know, you can collect. So, actually being able to identify that data and, you know, we, we do have the ability at Namogu to help retailers to say, hey, look, this particular section of your data set of, of your traffic is actually putting you in exposure. You need to go and remediate it, right? You need to go and find the way to mitigate it, whether it's working with your vendor or it's your own first party technology. You need to go and, and actually fix this um, and avoid those sorts of regulatory exposures. Mm-hmm. Um, the other interesting thing is that those, those third-party vendors are, you know, each of them collecting their data in a silo, right? They're not actually, you know, sharing that data. And what we, our vision uh, at Namogu is actually to be that one roof, one location where you can share that data in, in vari- from various vendors in one hub, right, mm-hmm. under one roof. And therefore, you're going to eliminate blind spots, you're going to be able to connect those two data points from, you know, two different vendors or three vendors, again, which is PII compliant. And then you can act in real time in the journey and ensure that you have a positive experience by actually owning your data, not letting it reside in the silo at the vendor side, but actually on the journey itself on your own within your own first party data set.
0: Yeah, that is excellent. And it sounds like retailers all around could use that service. Excellent insights all across the board. And, you know, as we wrap, so I know that uh, Namogo and Infosys Equinox, um, two companies are, you know, working together. You guys are partners. So I did want to hear, you know, how the two of you are working together to create and deliver these human-centric digital experiences. Kanal. I will have you start first.
2: Sure. I think, Gabriela, to kind of summarize a lot of what we've discussed, you know, brands and retailers need, flex, need a flexible, agile commerce and engagement capability that obviously allows them to engage with consumers in any channel. Now, this coupled with the personalized strategy with all the data and the analytics that we spoke about, will enable the brands and retailers to drive deeper engagement and loyalty and repeat purchases. Now, while what we see together, Namago and Infosys Equinox is that while there have been investments in silos on improving the experience, capturing some of the data, preventing hijacking, there is a need for a holistic view to view this landscape holistically and see how you can deliver an end-to-end consumer journey that could start from one of variety of different touch points and also end with a one of variety of touch points. Right? Mm-hmm. So, A number of touch points have expanded, the hijacking opportunities have expanded. So it's important for retailers and brands to think about this as one holistic continuum and to be able to protect and enable the entire continuum for their consumers. I think the one last point I would make is it's also important. One additional aspect is it's important to think about your consumer journey across these multiple touch points in terms of an ongoing process you don't want your consumer to have one journey and stop you want repeat purchases you want him to come in and upsell and cross sell and all the other good things that you would want to do and from that perspective it's important to think about enabling or working with a partner organization or a set of partner organizations that work well together to deliver to your business outcomes mm-hmm. so it's one point to say that you know i've got a partner who helps me implement a platform or i've got a partner who brings a platform for me But it's important to think about a partner who can give all these capabilities as well as bring the right partnerships Mm -hmm. so that I can get an end-to-end capability that delights my end consumer.
1: Yeah, well, I I completely agree with you, Kamal. And being able to, working together with Infosys Equinox, who have a deep understanding of retail and CPG experiences and challenges, what it is that keeps them up at night, helps us to deliver the technology for the online journey that gets them to the the their next iteration, their next generation of their customers' digital experience. And a deeper integration with Equinox will only lead to more insights, more capabilities, and we're really excited to uh, partner with them.
0: That's fantastic. And it sounds like the two companies, Namogo and Infosys Equinox are a powerful pairing. And if our listeners wanted to get in touch with either of you, how would they do that?
1: So yes, you can reach us at partners at namogo.com or just go to www.namogo.com. That's N-A-M-O-G-O-O.
2: And it's equally easy with Infosys Equinox. Uh, our website is infosysequinox.com. And you can drop us a note at sales at infosysequinox.com.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you both coming on the show today. Tal, Kunal, it's been a pleasure speaking with you both.
2: Thank you, Gabriella and Tal. Um, always a pleasure talking to both of you as well.
1: Same here. Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast.